Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you very much for joining us today. Here with me at the podium is the Minister for Health and Social Care and our Director of Public Health. It's been some two and a half weeks since our last briefing, and this reflects the stable situation here on the island. Yes, we have seen the occasional new case popping up now and then, including today, but they have been manageable and, on the whole, explainable. How we approach COVID-19 as a community is changing. The virus is here to stay, and we must adapt and learn to live with it. But this isn't about being cavalier or throwing caution to the wind. This change in approach is possible thanks to the success of the vaccination programme, both here on the island and in the United Kingdom, as well as the overall fall in COVID cases in the United Kingdom. This change in approach means that you, rather than government, will increasingly decide how to live in a world with the virus. What steps you take to protect yourself will be your choice. We have launched a new campaign which you will begin to see around the island and on social media to support the community with this transition ensuring everyone can make informed choices. For now, the only area where government continues to play a role is when someone tests positive for the virus and, of course, the restrictions at our borders. Just over two weeks ago, we began the process of, of implementing our COVID-19 exit framework, the managed and gradual erase easing of our border restrictions. This saw immediate family, property owners and those with a contract of employment of at least three months able to apply for an exemption to travel to the island. We have seen a small uptick in people coming here. The numbers have been relatively modest, no doubt reflecting the fact that a seven-day period of isolation on arrival for immediate family from the United Kingdom means that a visit to the island remains challenging for some. Despite this, our situation has remained stable and this first stage of the easing of our border restrictions appears to have been a success. Our ambitions remain for unrestricted travel between the island and the rest of the British Isles by the 28th of June. But before that, the exit framework set a target of the 29th of May for the next phase of our border restrictions easing. As we are now in the middle of May, the Council of Ministers has been considering precisely what this next phase will look like. The outlook here and in the United Kingdom is broadly positive, but many of you will have heard of growing concerns about the India variant that is beginning to take hold in some parts of the United Kingdom, notably the northwest of England. And I will hand over now to our Director of Public Health to talk more about this development. Dr Hewitt. Thank you, Chief Minister. Uh, the India variant is called India variant because it first emerged in India. It is actually one of quite a large number of variants that have arisen recently in India, and the reason for that is the very, very high rates of infection they're currently seeing, which means that as the virus is transmitted from person to person, it does mutate and different variants arise. Most of those variants um, are of no particular significance, but occasionally you get one that is, and the one that we are now concerned about for the British Isles is one whose um, genomic sequencing name is B16172. So it is technically an Indian variant. Um, we have seen it causing clusters and outbreaks across now, largely in Bolton, 
but it's also spread elsewhere in the northwest, and it's also in Bedford and also in some parts of London. And there is definitely community transmission. It's not just located amongst people who've returned from a, a trip to India. It's causing particular concern because the doubling time, the time taken for the number of cases to double, is around a week. So that is really quite rapid and means that if it did go wider into the population, we would potentially see that exponential growth that has been seen before with the peaks. Um, the question then is, is it affecting people who've been vaccinated or is it just circulating in communities where the vaccination rate is low? And we don't have a full answer to that yet. Um, some of those who are catching it have not been vaccinated and there are low vaccine uptake rates in some of the places affected. And that is something that is being addressed through mounting surge vaccination um, campaigns to get the rates up. But the problem with this is that no vaccine is 100% effective and eventually it will infect people who have been vaccinated, more likely those who've had only one dose, but even those who have had two doses. And particularly the people at risk of that will be those who are in poor health anyway, either because they're elderly and frail or because they have an underlying health condition. And once that happens, if the number of infections get large enough, then it will put pressure on the healthcare system. Obviously, we want to be careful about getting it across into the island where we have less of a buffer in terms of healthcare um, capacity. And so we will need to watch what happens over the coming couple of weeks um, as we learn more about how the variant behaves. And we will see that over the next couple of weeks. So within the time frame, as we move towards the next proposed changes to the border, um, but we do have to be prepared to keep a watching brief on that and potentially to um, alter the position. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you, Dr Ewart. Public health other officials and the Council of Ministers will, of course, be closely monitoring developments over the coming days and weeks. We must continue to take a cautious approach where this is warranted. But with the scale of our vaccination programme and signs that the vaccine is effective against the India variant, there is no immediate need to radically alter or abandon our plans. The key indicator in moving to the next phase of our exit framework is the level of COVID-19 infections per 100,000 people in the United Kingdom over a 14-day period. We use the figures taken from the ECDC, that's the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control, to move from our current border level 3 down to level 2, we have said we wanted to see a rate of 30 cases per 100,000 people or less. Today's update puts the figure at 44 people per 100,000, a little higher than we would like. Because of uncertainty over the India variant and because the figures in the United Kingdom are not quite yet low enough, the Council of Ministers considered a number of options on what our next steps might be. Following advice and debate, we determined that we were not ready to change who can come to the island, but we did judge that we were ready to make some changes to what people who can come here have to do when they arrive. As things stand today, our intention is that from next Monday, that's the 24th of May, anyone travelling to the island who has not been outside of the United Kingdom, Guernsey or Jersey in the 10 days prior to arriving here will no longer have to isolate for seven days. 
as ever, this is of course subject to them agreeing to be COVID for to be tested for COVID nineteen. From next week, people will still have to isolate immediately on arrival, but if they then agree to take a test within 48 hours of arrival, and if the result is negative, they will be free to leave isolation. And this test will cost £30. The only restriction will be the requirement to avoid health and social care sites, our most sensitive settings, until 10 days after arriving on the island. An exception, of course, would be for anyone needing emergency treatment. A second COVID test will also be required six days after arriving on the island. This test will be free of charge. Anyone who has been outside the United Kingdom, Guernsey or Jersey, and for the moment this does include Ireland, in the 10 days prior to arriving on the island will have to isolate for seven days. This longer period of isolation reflects the increased risk posed by those who have travelled outside of the United Kingdom. Again, this is subject to the traveller agreeing to a testing. A test will be required within 48 hours of arrival and another on day six at £30 each. If both results are negative, the traveller will be able to leave isolation. The same requirement to avoid health and social care settings will continue until 10 days after their arrival on the island. If a traveller chooses not to undergo testing, they will be required to isolate for 21 days and they will have to isolate alone or with those they've travelled with. These changes will be retrospective for those already in self-isolation on the 24th of May. The Council of Ministers agreed that, based on the evidence available, this approach was a sensible and reasonable compromise. It makes it easier and more practical for family members to travel to the island and for islanders to travel to the United Kingdom. But for the moment, we still want to restrict the categories of people who can come, not least the, to keep the numbers down whilst we continue to monitor the infection rate in the United Kingdom and the need to mod monitor the India variant. It is our vaccination programme rather than our borders <coughs> that will shift to being our primary defence against the virus. The high levels of vaccinations amongst our population also means that we will focus on the rate of serious illness, hospital capacity and deaths from the virus rather than raw case numbers. It could be that we see an uptake in cases in the coming weeks. We shall see. But our response to this is likely to be different while the risk of cases of course remains and the threat posed to the health of our community has now changed and so too will the nature of how we react to cases. That said, the Council of Ministers will keep a watchful eye on what is happening on the island and beyond our shores with the questions very much live about variants and new data available every day a final decision on the changes I have set out today will be taken this Thursday. On the subject of vaccinations, I know there are a few points Minister Ashford would like to cover, notably on the gap between first and second doses and the importance of appointments for second doses. David. Thank you very much, Chief Minister. Um, as we've previously announced, the focus um, going forward now for the next six to eight weeks will be on delivery of second doses with the supply that we receive. That has started today with over 700 people so far today having received their second dose. In terms of the gap, many people will be aware that the UK has announced a shortening of the period between um, first and second dose. 
our supply and the way we've booked things in doesn't allow us really to move any further forward and it wouldn't gain us potentially much time anyway it would gain us about two weeks in terms of second doses should we do that on our current trajectory we will have second doses delivered to all of those in the vulnerable category as we come towards the end of June so although because of the way our second dose delay came in later than the UK if people look at the raw figures currently the UK has delivered more as a percentage of population second dose than us that position will shift over the next two weeks and we will actually should overtake the UK in terms of the percentage of population that has had second doses I would urge people who are booked for their second dose to come forward it is a two-dose vaccination program we don't know what the long-term effects are if people only have the one dose and then don't have the second we don't know if the first dose dissipates over time so it is important that people keep to those appointments that are booked for them and that they come forward and have have their second dose as was prearranged as was prearranged turning to healthcare settings um, I have asked, been asked to remind people that within healthcare settings and facilities PPE is still in use people going into those settings may well be asked to wear face masks and socially distance I would ask people to be understanding about this it is important as the director of public health has just touched on in relation to our healthcare settings where we do have limited capacity that we ensure they are as safe as possible I have been made aware of several disputes and arguments from people in relation to being asked to wear PPE but I would ask that people respect that and that it is there to protect everyone within the health and social care setting so I really would ask that people realise that and actually comply with wearing PPE when requested. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you very much, David. And there are some important messages there. Before handing over to the media, I would like to talk briefly about the independent review I commissioned into the Isle of Man Steam Packet Company and the isolation requirements for their employees during the pandemic. I had hoped that the report would have been published by now it has taken a little longer than expected to compile, but it is critical that the team producing the report had the time to do a thorough job. I hope to be in a position to publish the review this week. As I'm sure you understand, I want the opportunity to review its findings and recommendations before making any further comment. Let's go to questions now, and first I have Tim Glover from Manx Radio. Good afternoon, Tim. Fast am I. Uh, fast am I. I know it's data and not dates, but I do want to just focus on a couple of dates, if I may. You've mentioned, obviously, the 24th of May with these new uh, isolation requirements and testing arrangements. Uh, what's happened to the 29th of May? Is that on hold now? Because uh, that was the original date uh, for moving to level two. And just on the vaccines, uh, we've second dose now uh, is the priority, but it was the 10th of May. Why, why the week delay? Well, I'll go first on the um, dates that we've just announced, um, Tim, for the 24th. That's us moving forward. We decided, based on feedback, that trying to make changes at a weekend can be awkward, and therefore we felt the data enabled us to move forward a week to the beginning of the week, to the 24th. So that's ahead of schedule rather than behind schedule. But we're not moving to level two, um, which we'd hope to do by the 29th, because of the concerns over the India variant and the increase in numbers in the region surrounding us and the fact that the UK hasn't gone below the the magic 30 cases per 100,000. So there's a level of caution there, but we have significantly altered the time needed to isolate for people coming to the island and I'm sure David will um, expand on the other dates. 
yeah, if I could, if I could come in on the vaccine point first, Tim, um, there hasn't been a delay. If you remember, what actually happened was we extended the period for second doses from being 10 weeks to 12 weeks. So there was always going to be a gap there because the supply was already earmarked against second doses. So that's why there's actually a week. So people will see that there was a lower level of vaccinations delivered last week for that reason, because the supply was already earmarked against the second doses, which start today. The 10th of May date that was given out was to get people registered for their first dose because the supply coming in after that was earmarked against second doses so we could only do first doses few and far between. Um, in relation to the dates um, that what's happening on the 24th as Chief Minister said is effectively what would have potentially happened on the 29th we felt in a position to do it from the 24th. It's not precisely the level 2 that's in the exit framework but we were always quite clear that we would have to go on the position at the time and I think it's allowing us to move forward with confidence with should we say maybe a level 2.5 if people wanted to call it that um, but we've been able to move forward with confidence to allow a relaxation around the isolation for those people who were already able to enter the island but it isn't allowing further people in which was originally the goal wasn't it and on that, May yeah, the 29th I, and that's and that's what I was saying. Um, we've got to take into account what's happening in the UK. Um, I'll use that dreaded phrase again, Tim, of baby steps. We've got to be certain and confident of what is happening around us, not just what's happening on Ireland, to make sure we protect our community. Um, as the director of public health has touched on about the India variant, we need to see how that is playing out in the UK. We should have that data in coming weeks, and we have to remember it's not that far to the end of June um, when we're hoping to be able to release further. But we do need to be driven by what we're seeing on the ground, not just here in the island, but also around us. And my second question follows on from that, because we were talking about uh, the end of June, uh, the schemes for the hospitality and uh, other areas run out at that time. So if we're in a situation where we're still worried by the India variant, will those schemes be extended? Well, obviously, if there's a problem, Tim, I'm very hopeful that we can move on the 28th, which is just before the um, date we'd given off the 1st of July. So we, if we can move at the end of, of June, we will, and therefore there'll be no need to extend the scheme. If, say, there's a new variant and we can't move and the rest of the UK is in trouble too, then, of course, we'll revisit the scheme for our hospitality support. But at this moment, we are on online and on time to deliver... Um, the changes on the 28th of June. But there's a lot more caution, it seems, at this press briefing about everything. Well, no, I think moving from seven-day isolation, Tim, to one, come onto the island, book your test, have a test within 48 hours and you're free, that's quite a significant change. And not only that, when you come to a household, you, as long as you agree to have the test, your family that you isolate with or your friends that you isolate with, they don't have to isolate either. So it's a pragmatic way forward. The UK, we had hoped, would have been under the 40 cases per 100,000. They're not. There is a concern. And given the fact that it, we think it's more about family, friends and people who have a legal right to come to the island, getting them over here. And anyone who has a contract um, for three months, so if you are coming over to work, say, in the hotels from um, the end of June, beginning of, of, of July, you can now come over with a three-month... If you've got a three-month contract, you can come over here. So we, we have made changes, but obviously it would be foolish not to take into account um, off-island concerns. 
Thank you. Thanks very much, Tim. Next, we have Alex Bell from BBC Isle of Man. Good afternoon, Alex. Fast am I. Hi, good afternoon. Um, just to follow on uh, from that last question there, businesses are complaining that uh, the mitigation strategy that the island is now in, so this giving people advice about maybe avoiding crowded places and taking their own risks, is actually stifling their demand. Now, Chief Minister, you just said there's no need to extend these support schemes once things return back to normal. But in fact, hospitality business owners are saying now debts are piling up, their demand isn't at normal levels for an ordinary mid-May. They need support more than ever. Will you be reviewing that support beyond the end of June? Well, obviously, we'll listen to the Department for Enterprise, who are responsible for the tourist sector, to see if there is the need there. Obviously, speaking to people in the tourism sector, I'm hearing of um, demand for um, a, a good business to come to the Isle of Man from July onwards, and that would hopefully help the sectors. But they, if they are down the significant amount, I think it's 25% if you're down on your income, then you can claim from the Department for Enterprise up to and including the end of June. Thank you. And um, another question, uh, concern is increasing in the United Kingdom today about this India variant and its virulence, uh, but also crucially the fact that it isn't yet known how vaccines respond to it. Why now then, before we have the full picture, this dramatic change in the rules? Well, no, it's not a dramatic change. We, we had planned to make a change to our rules. And I did say in the speech that we would review this on Thursday to see if there's any additional information that's come out to uh, on whether we go ahead with it or not. Now, I'm confident that hopefully we will be able to go ahead with the changes I've announced. But obviously, we've put that proviso in on Thursday. If we need to have a press conference, we, we will. If, if we don't, hopefully we won't have to make any changes. But we still have, I think, 82% of our population have had first dose of the vaccine. And as I've said before, the main defence going forward against COVID-19 will be our population having the vaccination, not necessarily our borders. I don't know if the health minister would like to, or Dr. You would like to come yeah, in on I'll, that. I'll bring the Director of Public Health in in a minute, if I may, Chief Minister. But firstly, with, with the vaccinations, from certainly what I've read around the Indian variant, and there was a very good report that came out of Oxford um, either yesterday or the day before that has shown that in terms of serious illness and death, which is the bit we need to focus on, they couldn't find a discernible change with the Indian um, variant in relation to um, that being any worse. Um, we have to get remember sometimes we do not get confused when people talk about a, a drop in efficacy um, of the vaccine. They're talking really about people be contracting it and becoming symptomatic. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are more susceptible to serious illness and death. And I think sometimes how it's reported in the international media, that doesn't always come across. Um, so we just need to be a bit careful when we're talking about how effective vaccines are, that we do make the distinction between the two two different uh, categories, but I'll bring the Director of Public Health in. Thank you. And uh, the Minister has just made some very good points there, and particularly about the fact that there are two elements to effectiveness. One is how effective it is in reducing transmission, the ability for people to become infected and pass it on to others. And the other is how effective it is at protecting people against severe illness and the need for hospitalisation. And certainly what we're seeing so far suggests that it will still protect against severe illness and hospitalisation. The only caveat to that is if it significantly reduces the protection from transmission 
and this variant turns out to be very significantly better at transmitting, then it's a numbers game. You will get many more people infected and that means that ultimately it will reach those people who are either not vaccinated or have only partial protection from the vaccine and that's where you get the risk of another wave that would increase people needing hospitalisation. So I think in terms of the mitigations for that, one of the key things for us will be to review our coverage data for the vaccine. We've got excellent coverage for the risk groups one to nine, they were the priority groups, the older people, the people with underlying conditions but we maybe need to understand what our coverage is looking like in younger adults because as we move forward and as we you know, bear the risk that uh, this variant will come onto our shores, if it gets going amongst the younger adult population, um, they may not even know they've got it because at least a third of it will likely be asymptomatic, but they will be spreading it. They're the transmitters, and that's where the risk that ultimately it gets to the vulnerable population comes in. So we may, well, we do need to have a look at that and see if there's anything we need to do to increase the uptake to try and improve the sort of firewall of the vaccine, if you like. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alex. Okay, next we have Sam Turton from Jeff. Good afternoon, Sam. Faster my. Faster my, Chief Minister. Just obviously in terms of this then, just to help people clarify this a little bit, we're moving next week, hopefully, to a case where people who can currently already come to the islands, there'll be a lowering of their isolation. But does it appear that we will actually now miss the target for the end of this month for expanding who can come to the island um, based on the UK's current figures? And if so, when is that now looking likely to be? Well, it's all about risk, Sam. So just for clarification, the extra people that we've allowed to come to the island, that's family, um, families and partners and um, people with a legal um, right who have property on the island, man can now come to the island. They will only have to isolate, um, come to the island. They can book a test straight away within 48 hours, have the test, and once they're told they're negative, then they're free to go around the island bar going to healthcare settings. We, um, we have brought that forward. That had been planned for the end of the month. We've brought it forward now because we think we, we're in a position we can do. But unfortunately, due to UK figures when, and the India variant concerns, we're not able to move to level two. Now, if there is a um, improvement in, in, in those figures and we get good data, then obviously the Council of Ministers are reviewing the situation all the time. And if it means we can, in between the end of um, June, allow a level two for all people to come but having to quarantine then we will of course look at that okay, and secondly in terms of testing and the price of testing last week the speaker june watson raised an issue during the public accounts committee hearing that suggested that the council ministers last year was looking at 300 percent uh, markup if they were charging 50 pound per test amongst public are the tests being carried out at cost or is the government making any money off the back of this well, I should imagine we're probably losing money because the tests themselves, um, just buying the test, I think is about £30, and then you've got all the administration and the staff to, to, to carry out the test. I think I had a colleague whose son was in the United Kingdom um, who needed a test, and the, the bill for one test was £120. So I think our fee at 50 quid and now down to £30 is um, is subsidising the, the, the taxpayer. But the health minister might want to give a, a detailed answer.
Yeah, I'm probably in a better position to answer this, Sam, because it came up during the sessions of myself and the CEO for the Department of um, Health and Social Care during our sessions with the PAC. Uh, that was from a testing paper last year to Council of Ministers. The amount that it's been thought that testing has cost has varied over the period of the pandemic, um, trying to include everything from the cost of staffing to the cost of the grandstand facility to the cost in microbiology. Um, the actual answer I gave to PAC was to refer them to a Tim Wood answer that was given, which was given in a question actually to a member of the PAC, Miss Edge, um, who asked about the cost of testing, which is the most accurate cost that we have around how much testing costs us. Um, and the actual answer to that is that the testing is actually subsidised. Thank you. Thanks very much, Sam. Next we have Helen, Helen McKenna, I should say, from Alaman Newspapers. Good afternoon, Helen. Nearly had you married to um, Rob there. <laughs> Good afternoon, Chief Minister. <laughs> um, my first question is for yourself, please. How will the changes to border restrictions be clearly communicated so that everyone understands? Well, obviously, I would hope that our media team will be putting out, and in fact, I've signed off on a press release today to go out to the public, um, to all media channels, to let them know um, the, the changes, and we'll be doing it on our usual social media outlets as well to let people know. And obviously, the, the press conference here today, and obviously, when people apply to uh, you know come to the island, we, we will have all that data for them too. But I think it's good news to not have to quarantine for seven days, um, to just come to the island and have a test within 24, 48 hours. Um, that's got to be a significant improvement. And the household that you're staying with does not have to isolate. Um, I, I think that's got to be um, uh, make it a lot easier for people. But obviously, that's reliant on people accepting that they have to have the test. If they don't want the test, then they will have to isolate on their own for 21 days. Thank you. My second question is for Dr. Ewart, please. Thank you. What evidence is there that current vaccinations can reduce the risk of the Indian variants? Real world evidence, um, very little because it's too new. Uh, laboratory evidence does indicate that the effect of the neutralising antibodies that people have either from vaccination or from um, natural immunity because they've been infected before is a bit reduced. And that is why the concern is that the effect on transmission will not be as good as the vaccines currently are against the other variants, including Kent. But the current view is that it will still protect against serious illness and the need for hospital admission. But we will know more about that over the next week to two weeks. So just as a follow-up question, how seriously um, is public health taking the Indian variant? Well, very seriously, at the moment, it is really a framework of known unknowns. And so we have to, you know, watch as the accruing evidence fills in those gaps for us. And then we will know to what extent it is more transmissible. At the minute, as I think I said um, when I was speaking earlier, the estimates, realistic estimates, are that it could be 40 to 50% more transmissible. And if it does get a hold across wide communities, wide areas of the UK at that level, that could cause problems. But we don't know that yet. That is just a, you know, best reasonable guess, really. And we need to watch as the data comes in, which it will be doing, you know, as we speak, and certainly over the next week, 10 days, and then we will know better. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, Helen. Before I move on to Rob, I think it's important to point out that we will be living with a with COVID nineteen for the, probably the rest of our lives. But the variants will will come, and if there are problems, then hopefully the vaccine can be tweaked to to tackle them. But it, it's something we're going to be living with 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 all sorts of different variants for a long time and we mustn't be alarmed but equally we have to respect the, that the variants could cause a problem and, and we have to react accordingly but thank you very much Helen. Last but not least we have Rob Pritchard from 3FM. Good afternoon Rob, fast am I. Fast am I Chief Minister. My first question for the Health Minister. You mentioned before that you're hoping to have second doses done for the vulnerable category by the end of June if I heard that correctly. Uh, are we still on course to have everyone under 50 fully vaccinated by the end of September? Yes, that's correct. Um, so everyone up to the age ranges that the vaccine is currently available for, which is 18 plus, um, we would expect the second doses to be completed by the end of September. The vulnerable, as I say, which is the category age 50 above and those with underlying health conditions, they should have had their second doses by the end of June, at which point we then start moving throughout July onto the lower age groups. Thank you. My second question is uh, one that I did ask a while back, I'd just like to return to. Given that we're hopefully in a position in the coming months to start welcoming more travellers to and from the island. Um, how is the airport going to be adapted to cope with demand, considering we, of course, still have the vaccine up there? Do you want me to, yeah, uh, Chief Minister? Yeah. yeah, so in relation to the airport hub, um, we'll look at the capacity of that and it will be reduced as required. Um, so because we, we won't have as many people flowing through in the same way as we did first doses. There's a peak in demand in the various hubs while we go through the next few weeks because of the way the second doses is spaced, but that then trails off. And then we will look and work with DOI around longer term planning in order to be able to deliver the vaccination schedule. Thank you. But, but equally, it's, I think it's worth pointing out, Rob, that the, all of our senior citizens will have been vaccinated by then, and therefore the, um, the younger generation, it's a lot easier for them to, to move around the island, and it's not exactly, exactly too far to get to, for example, the Chester Street um, site where the, the facilities are, are, are excellent there. But obviously, we'll review the um, site and listen to our experts on what their feedback is on, on how we do it, Rob. But thank you very much. OK, thank you all very much for those questions. That's all for today. I hope you all have a good week. In the meantime, please continue to do what you have been doing so well. Make the right decisions for yourselves, for you, your loved ones and your island. Thank you all very much. Bye-bye.